I'm really interested in just one verse. It's the last one of this chapter where the Word of God says, In all this Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. And I think that's going to be um, the question of our lives. Do we choose to sin or do we choose to do what God wants us to do? Do we charge God foolishly or do we trust him? This is a wonderful, helpful story of a man's life, the best man in the world at the time. And so I think it would do us well to read this as we look into this last verse of the first chapter. Job chapter 1. Verse number 1, the Bible says, There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. And that man was perfect and upright and one that feared God and eschewed evil. And there were born unto him seven sons and three daughters. His substance also was 7,000 sheep and 3,000 camels and 500 yoke of oxen and 500 she-asses and a very great household so that this man was the greatest of all the men of the east. And his sons went and feasted in their houses every one his day and sent and called for their three sisters to eat and to drink with them. And it was so when the days of their feasting were gone about that Job sent and sanctified them and rose up early in the morning and offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus did Job continually. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth, and from walking up and down in it. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth? A perfect and an upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Doth Job fear God for naught? Hast not thou made an hedge about him, about his house, and about all that he hath on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hands, and his substance is increased in the land. But put forth thine hand now, and touch all that he hath, and he will curse thee to thy face. The Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all that he hath is in thy power. Only upon himself put not forth thine hand. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord, and there was a day when his sons and his daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house, And there came a messenger unto Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the asses feeding beside them, and the Sabians fell upon them and took them away. Yea, they have slain the servants with the edge of the sword, and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. While he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, 
The fire of God has fallen from heaven. And it burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them. And I only am escaped alone to tell thee. While he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, The Chaldeans made out three bands and fell upon the camels and have carried them away, yea, and slain the servants with the edge of the sword. And I only am escaped alone to tell thee while he was yet speaking. There came also another and said, Thy sons and thy daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house. And behold, there came a great wind from the wilderness and smote the four corners of the house. And it fell upon the young men, and they are dead. And I only am escaped alone to tell thee. Then Job arose and rent his mantle. And shaved his head and fell down upon the ground and worshipped. And said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord had taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job sinned not nor charged God foolishly. You know the story. The bad news just kept coming. And it didn't come in the same day. It came in the same conversation. One could not get through the news without the next individual giving the next report. I guess that shows you how fast things can change in your life. And how quickly the devil can work. It seems like he had enough power and influence and devils working with him. He was able to do a lot in a very short period of time. But the story reads that all these oxen, Job was a very rich man, all this he had cultivated in a lifetime of the blessing of God. It was first all of the oxen and all the asses. They were all stolen from him. And all the servants that watched them were killed but one. Then the other news came that all of his sheep, all his sheep were killed and all the servants that were watching them were killed as well. Verse 17, verse number 16. Then verse number 17, all his camels were stolen. That's a very expensive commodity in those days. All of them were stolen and all the servants were killed but one. And then, of course, the worst news. You can do without the things of life, but when your children start dying. To have news of one dying would have been overwhelming. Verse 18, to have all of his children killed seemingly by a tornado, whatever kind of wind it was, in one event, losing all of your family at one time, I think all that he lost financially paled in comparison with that. And the Bible said in all of that he did not sin, nor charge God foolishly. Now, when God says that, God knows more than just what we say 
Some of us, maybe in the difficulties of life, could bite our tongue to where we wouldn't say what we really thought about what God was doing. But in our hearts... There may be something against the Lord or a charge against God or a doubt against Him. But the Bible says, and God knowing Job's words as well as his heart, God is, uh, Job is not charging God foolishly with his mouth or in his heart. He's holding no malice against God in his heart. That's an amazing thing. And the Bible says in the message I want to give tonight, he says, nor charged God foolishly. I'm so glad that he didn't sin, but I want to go beyond that and get to not charging God foolishly. I did read Spurgeon was preaching from this text and he said, the main thing in life is don't sin. That's what he said. In all this, Job sinned not. Whatever you do, stay away from sin. Spurgeon said this. Spurgeon said that a ton of trouble is better than an ounce of sin. It is sin that will destroy us. It's sin that that destroys our mind and our future. The trouble, all right, man is born unto trouble. But it's the sin, you see. Sin is so much more dangerous than trouble. Oh, that we would see that. But I'm not really looking at the fact that he didn't sin. He didn't charge God foolishly. Now, I don't know what you would have done in that instance. There's a reason God's not put you in that position. You and I are not as good as this man. (laughs) You and I aren't as close to God as this man, which is an amazing thing because... God lives inside of us. (laughs) And he was closer to God with God living outside his body than we are with God living inside our body. But he didn't charge God foolishly. Matter of fact, he didn't charge God at all. What does it mean to charge God foolishly? Well, I, I believe the reason Job didn't charge God is because... He didn't know what was going on. Can, can, can you stop and admit just for once that we in our finite minds really don't know what's going on in the big picture? So why should we start charging people or giving declarations or getting upset about the big picture that we don't even know is going on? Job had no knowledge of the fight of good and evil that's going in the back of his narrative of his life. He can't see what the devil's doing, and he sure can't see what God's doing. And so, you know, he doesn't charge God. I would say this. It would probably be good for us to reserve our thoughts about God since there are bigger things afoot in the universe than what's just going on with me. And God Almighty has, has a lot of other things He's doing and, and impatience causes me to charge God when I can't, unbelief causes me to charge God when I just can't trust Him, when I think He doesn't know what He's doing, when I don't know what's going on, I've got to believe that God knows what he, what's going on. And we charge God foolishly when, when we try to figure things out that are way beyond our pay grade. He has no idea what's going on. Every now and then we ought to stop and you just need to recognize, God, I don't know what you're doing. I don't know what's going on, but I'm just going to trust you. 
That's blind faith. I know it is, but it'll cause you not to sin and it'll cause you not to say something foolish against your God. Or believe something in your heart. We've got, we got so many people, not just heathen people, but saved people that are so mad at God. They just won't say it to Him. And I want to delve into that just for a minute. Now, I will say this about Job. He didn't charge God foolishly, foolishly but he did charge his wife. Look at chapter 2. It's not that Job, Job just doesn't have a thought. No, he, he, he is the thinking man. But in chapter 2, the Bible says, in verse number 9, Then said his wife, And dost thou retain thine integrity, curse God, and die? But he said unto her, Thou speakest as one of the foolish women speaketh. He did. He charged his wife with foolishness. But he didn't charge God with foolishness. I'd say it would be a much better thing to charge your family with foolishness than it would to be charged God with foolishness. But no, he didn't charge God at all. As a matter of fact, in verse number 21, he he says, naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He didn't charge God at all. He blessed God. Now, I want to get into three things tonight. Probably, I don't know how, probably not be a very long message. Lord, how can I not charge you foolishly? And what does it mean if I do that? How does that, how does that show itself? Well, we charge God foolishly when, number one, this is something Job did not do, something he did not do. Number one, God, I don't deserve this. Now, now just think with me now. God, I don't deserve this. Discontent causes us to charge God foolishly. I'm not happy with what is going on in my life. And I do not deserve this. One thing Job was not. This is the worst story I have ever read in the Bible. About the sorrow of one man in one day. And you know what? He's not a victim. If you were there that day. You'd see him down on his face before God, worshiping the Lord, praising God, and blessing God. Whatever he's got, I say you and I need that. But this is why we this is this is what happens. We charge God foolishly when we say, I don't deserve this. Job didn't Job didn't think that. He didn't believe that. When bad things come in your life, and you know, there's all types of things that happen. We lose people to death. We have heartaches. We have pains. We have difficulties. There are things in life that look to be so unfair, but are they really unfair? To, for something to be unfair means that you didn't deserve that. If I read my Bible correctly, the wages of sin is what? So is it unfair that these young people died? Were they sinners? I'm not going to say they were sinning at the time because I have no idea. Looks like they were just all gathered for a birthday party. Job didn't even know. By the way, you don't know what's going on in the heart of your kids either. He was offering sacrifices for his kids just in case 
their hearts weren't right and they were cursing God. Because you know what he knew about his kids? They were sinners just like he was a sinner. You see? So what do sinners deserve? Do we deserve, deserve not to have any sorrows? Do we deserve not to have any difficulties? See, we charge God foolishly and say, God, I don't deserve this because we're not seeing ourselves like we really are. We are sinners. And we deserve the judgment of God in our lives. God, I don't deserve this. No, I'll tell you what he didn't deserve. He didn't deserve all the blessings that God had given to him all through his life. He is the greatest of the men in the East. You know why? Satan acknowledges, God, your hand has blessed this man. It's God that made his sheep produce like nobody's business. It was God that made all his camels healthy and well. It was God that gave him all of his flocks and God that enriched his life. He said, the Lord giveth. He knew that everything he had was not something he deserved to have, but something that God had given him. God gave him ten children. That's a lot of kids. Some people can't have any kids. Right? Instead of looking at what God has not given you or what he has seemingly taken away, just stop and say, you know what? I don't deserve anything, but look at the things in my life that God has blessed. We start charging God foolishly when we think we deserve a better life than what we have and we think we have merited all of his goodness. Guys, God has been better to us than he is to anybody on the planet. How could we get upset at God because our life is not exactly what we expected it to be? The truth is, when Satan comes to the Lord, look at verse 10. Hast thou not made an hedge about him and about his house and about all that he hath on every side? And that's, thou hast blessed the work of his hands and his substance has increased in land. He said, you know what, God? You have got a hedge about this guy and nothing bad has happened to him because you keep it from happening to him. Let me ask you, did he deserve that? Guys, listen. We don't deserve the hedge. So when it's gone, we shouldn't charge God foolishly because we didn't deserve the protection in the first place all those years. How can I complain about ten children that God, that, that God gave to me that I wouldn't have had if he... What a miracle that God would give, give him these children. And then that he got to watch them all grow up. Are you listening? Why do we think we deserve to watch, to ha- have a blessed family and watch them all grow up and there never be a problem? We charge God foolishly when we, do, we think we deserve more than we really do. I don't deserve somebody being unkind to me. Really? Come on now. If you think you're the chiefest of sinners, you're never going to get upset at anybody. Because you know they're worse than you are. Or you're worse than they are. If you're the chief, that means they're not the chief. 
So let's get a healthy, good look at our own lives. And in doing that, we're not going to charge God foolishly because we really know we don't deserve the hedge. We don't deserve the blessings. We don't deserve the goodness of God in our lives. We don't deserve any of that. It's all by His grace. It's all by His mercy. And Job really believes that God has taken away his children. Now, now that's the next thing I want to say. But he said, the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. The truth is that God didn't take away his children. God did give him his children, but God didn't take them away. But he thinks God took them away. But he's not saying that God's unjust in doing that. You know why? He says, man, when I came to this world, I didn't have nothing. Naked came out of the world. I didn't have anything. And naked shall I return. In other words, Job is saying, everything I've got is temporary. And everything I've got is borrowed. I have nothing of real ownership. I can hold on to nothing anyway. So if it's gone, why am I going to get upset about it? Because everything in life is temporary. So this is not something that I don't deserve. Secondly, he says, the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. The first way that we can charge God foolishly is saying, God, I don't deserve this. That means bad events in my life are unfair. We have got to be able to function with trouble and bad events in our life, guys. And today it takes so little trouble to knock out somebody's whole eternal view of life. They throw away God. They throw away the truth of God. They throw away the life that God wants them to live because the trouble came. We got to get our minds right about that. Trouble's going to happen to all of us. We charge God foolishness when we say, I don't deserve this, that bad things happen in my life are unfair. The second thing. The second way people charge God foolishly that Job did not do is saying, God, this is your fault. This is your fault. Now, I really think he does think God took his children away, but God did not do this. Can we stop just for a minute and think about the text? Let me ask you a question. Did God kill Job's children? Did he do that? Did God kill all of his animals? No. Matter of fact, the things that are happening in Job's life that are so troubling, God is not doing any of them. God did this. It's God's fault. You don't know what God did. There's somebody else that's working in the invisible world. God didn't kill his children. The devil killed his Why does God get blamed for everything? I have never heard anybody stand up and say, why does the devil let children get cancer in St. Jude's Hospital? Never heard that one time. Never heard one time somebody say, why does the devil let bad things happen to good people? Never heard anybody say that ever. Could we not stop just for a minute and step out of this story and recognize that God didn't do any of this bad stuff in his life? Can we just recognize that? I know, what you're, I know where you're going, but that's point number three. 
Can we just for one second step back and say, God did not do this to Job. The devil did it. So why don't we get mad at the person we really ought to get mad at? You know, my Bible says every good and every perfect gift comes from above, down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variables, neither shadow of turning. God has been ultimately good to us. But why don't we get mad and charge the devil and charge sin or charge ourselves? I've seen a lot of people blame God that would never blame themselves. I've known some parents that when their children grow up and get involved in heinous things, they don't even, they would rather blame God than blame their children who did the evil things. Can we just step back and acknowledge that God is not the source of the doings of evil? He's not the one killing people in this chapter. Job doesn't know that. He can't see the devil coming. You know, know, I I thank God I'm not a Calvinist, you know. I just quoted Spurgeon tonight, but I, I am not a Calvinist. Well, I guess God wanted the tornado to kill us all. Come on, man. Guys, have you ever thought all that through? Well, why did, oh, we're going to get there, but let's just stop just a moment and acknowledge that God is not the source of all these bad things. And maybe if we would stop that in our own lives, we would quit charging God foolishly about things that He didn't do. Maybe you did it. Maybe the devil did it. Maybe some sinner did it. But why would we charge God foolishly? Why would we think He did it? He is not the cause of this. Blame God. Never self. Never sin. I'm foolish to say that God is at fault. I'm foolish to say that he's bad. (laughs) I'm foolish to judge God. Somebody says, well, why didn't God stop Satan? Here's a better question. Why did man allow Satan a foothold in the world? Who was it that gave Satan his great ministry to man? It wasn't God's doing. It wasn't God's purposes. It was man that led him in the garden of his heart. It was man that let his sin take a foothold in his life. It wasn't God's doing. God had a paradise. God had a perfect place with perfect people. It was man that opened up the door. So why to the devil? So then why should we blame God for the actions of the devil when it's us that opened the door to to, to mankind to do what he's done in our lives? Oh, the devil's not God's fault. The devil's the fault of our parents in the Garden of Eden. We would have done the same thing. So don't say, why didn't God stop Satan? Why do we allow Satan? Take your Bible with me real quickly. Go to Job chapter 40. God talks to Job. Because I wish that Job could have kept the same attitude he had in chapter 1 throughout the whole book. He does not. He does get a little put out with God. He, he, 
he says to God, I, you know, I wish I'd never been born. <laughs> there are some things that he, he says in the book of Job that aren't good and aren't right. And of course, our, our uh, acknowledgement is, well, you know what? We give an excuse for Job. Well, you know, you just can't hold up to everything. He did in chapter 1. Chapter 1 is the worst news in all the book. He didn't sin or charge God food, but when you get on into the book, this is what the Lord says to Job, Job chapter 40, verse number 1, Moreover, the Lord answered Job and said, Shall he that contendeth with the Almighty instruct him? <laughs> he that reproveth God, let him answer it. You know, I, when I was texting that guy and giving him the gospel, and he got mad and started cursing me on the cursing God on the text and everything. I said, "You know what? You're going to have a hard time telling God that when you meet Him face to face." There's a lot of things that man's charged God with foolishly, but wait till they see Him. <laughs> and the Lord says, "Come on, what, what'd you, what, were you, what were you saying? Do you want to teach me? Do you want to instruct me? Do you want me to tell you how I could have better helped your life?" Do you think you know more than the Almighty? Why are you fighting with God, he says. Oh, don't think that people don't fight with God. Hey, in the, in the deep corners of my heart and life, I've fought with God in my own mind about things. And you have too, and that's not the place where God wants us to be. He wants us to be submissive to Him. Not charging Him foolishly, not fighting with Him. You'll never win that battle. He's too strong. He's almighty. He's too wise. You have nothing to add. I have nothing to add. Of course, he's going to ask Job, where were you when I made everything? Declare if you've got understanding. Look at uh, Isaiah chapter 45. Keep going that direction. We charge God foolishly when we start blaming God. Quit blaming God for things. That's what's so blasphemous about all this, uh, this sodomite cult. They're, they, they, they're not, they're, they can't just say, this is the wickedness I want to do. They want to blame God for it. Do you understand? They want to charge God with it. That's foolish. He is not the source of our sins. He's not even the source of of the evil things that we blame him for so many times. He says in Isaiah chapter 45, Isaiah 45, verse number 9, Woe unto him that striveth with his maker. Let the potsherd strive with the potsherds of the earth. Shall the clay say to him that fashioneth it, What makest thou? Or thy work, he hath no hands. God says, you know what? It's not going to do you any good to strive with your maker. I'm the one that made you. And I didn't make you to sin, and I didn't make you to be foolish or charge me. One more verse on that. Go to Romans chapter 9. If God is our maker and we believe that he makes us perfect, 
in his will, he makes us what he wants us to be, then why are we going to charge him foolishly? Well, I wish I was six foot tall. <laughs> well, I wish I was prettier like the rest of the girls. Why do they have a better family than I have? Why does he got a better job than I've got? God, you're not right with me. You've helped all these other people. Why aren't you helping me? Faulting God, blame, not, not a wise thing to do with your maker. In Romans chapter 9, the Bible says in verse number 20, Romans 9, verse 20, Nay, but, O man, who art thou that repliest against God? Shall the thing formed say to him that formed it, Why hast thou made me thus? Hath not the potter power over the clay? In other words, God can do anything he wants to do with our lives. Why why am I going to fight with him? He's the maker. He's the creator. If it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be here. Whatever he wants to do in my life, he can do it in my life. He's the master. Why am I going to blame him? Well, because it's just not right. Really? How do you, if you were God, do you think you would make everybody's life just right? No, God, God knows what's right, and, and we better trust him. In Job chapter 33, I'll get one more verse on that. Job chapter 33. Here is Elihu, one of the, he's not one part of the three bad friends, but he, he doesn't say everything right, but he does say this good. He says in Job chapter 33, verse 13, he says to Job, why dost thou strive against him? Watch this now. For he giveth not account of any of his matters. In other words, Job, God's not going to come to us and ask us permission for what he's doing in our lives. And Job, God is not on trial whether or not he's doing right in our lives. We're the ones on trial. He's not the one on trial. Well, why did God? God is smarter than you. He's right. We're all wrong. God's wiser than us. You say, well, no, it just doesn't make sense. And I don't like this. He is almighty God and he is not even going to give an account of his matters. I remember riding down the road like it was yesterday. I was in my 30s pastoring in Virginia and the best man in my church was on a piece of equipment, had three young children. Best man in my church. I was teaching him or training him for the ministry. He was a farmer. His machine flipped over on the back of his property as he was pushing a stump. And when it flipped, it went just right in the post, hit him square in the chest and killed him. And I lived about five minutes from their house. And I got the call and I jumped in my car and I took off. And I don't know why, but I just knew he was dead. Though they hadn't said anything. And on the way over, I'm arguing with God. God, no. This does not make sense. This is not right. These three girls have to have their daddy. God, why would you do this? Intervene. Do something. Don't do this, God. Why would you let it happen? 
here's what I'm telling you. God is not going to explain himself to me about what he allows to happen. And I don't even deserve to know. And we charge God foolishly when we demand to know. This is his fault. He's the cause. Stand up, God. Report to me. Why have you done this? Can you see the, can you see the picture? Give an account of yourself, God. We're going to put you on trial. And how, see how foolish that is? Instead of just bowing to the Lord and say, well. And, of course, that's what the atheists all mock us about. Yeah, that's, and I'm getting to my last point and I'm done. We charge God foolishly when we say, God, I don't deserve this. Bad events are unfair. We charge God foolishly when we say, God, this is your doing. It's your fault. You are the cause when that is not the case. Even though we can't explain. And then we charge God foolishly when we say, God, now now this is the kicker. Okay, maybe I did deserve this. Okay, maybe this is not your fault. But God, why didn't you care enough to stop it? Why didn't you intervene? And that's the position of the atheist, that there is no God, because if there is a God, why would he let all the human suffering, why would he let all the bad things happen that are happening in people's lives in the world? Because if he was a God, that means he's all-powerful. And if he is all-powerful and he did not intervene in our plight and in our sorrows and in our suffering, that means if he is a God, he's not a very good one. That's, that's the position of the atheist. God, you don't care if you'd have cared you to intervene. Because we know you're there. We're not so foolish to think there's no God. Things don't come out of nothing. So you're there and you know. So the key is, are you really good to me? And when we start doubting the goodness of God... We're charging him foolishly. Lord, why didn't you stop this? Why did you not intervene? If you were a good God, why did you let this happen? Okay, you didn't do it, but why did you let it happen? You could have stopped it. Let me ask you a question. That same atheist that would give that argument or a Christian that is upset at God tonight that would give that argument. Let me ask you a question. Would you really want God controlling everything in your life? See, the same people would, would then start blaming God. Well, I tell you what, God just did. We have a free will and we get, well, if we have, you can't have it both ways, you see. If God gives us freedom, if God gives us a will, if God let, gives us choosing in our own life, that means he is not just controlling every single affair of humanity. And he doesn't because he gives you what you want. And he give, look, a love that doesn't come from a choice is not really love at all. We are not robots. And so that God charger says, why didn't you stop this? But they they wouldn't say, why didn't you stop me from committing adultery? Or why didn't you stop me from stealing? 
Or why didn't you stop me from marrying the wrong person? No, they never say that. I want to marry who I want to marry. I want to do what I want to do, right? Humanity made that choice in the garden, you see, guys? And God is not just going to control every event of our sinful lives because he gives us a will. And we have made this catastrophe. And for us to charge God foolishly that it's his fault that little babies get cancer when no babies would have gotten cancer if things were done his way. To give God a charge to say, Say, you don't care because you let people die. He created a world where nobody would die. Why didn't he intervene? Because God allows us to live our lives. You say, well, preacher, sometimes he does intervene. Yeah, he does. He does. Well, then why does he intervene? Sometimes he doesn't. I don't know. But you know what I'm not going to do? I'm not going to say that he doesn't care. Because I know he cares. You know how I know he cares? I was listening. I don't agree with everything he says, but he's one of the smartest men on the planet right now. John Lennox. I don't know if some of you have heard of him. He's, he was a mathematician at Oxford. He went to Cambridge and then he... He's been debated all of the famous atheists, you know, Christopher Hitchens and all these other guys, Dawkins, all these guys. He's a brilliant man. And so they they brought this up to him about if there is a God, then he certainly doesn't care about us. Why would we we love him? Why, 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 Why would we worship him? And Dawkins said this, you know, the world that we have made has terrible suffering in it. God didn't make a world like that. We've made it like that. But this is what God did. He did not take away our suffering. He stepped into it. And to show you he cared, he suffered. And he didn't stop his own suffering showing us how greatly he cares for our suffering so here's the question do I want to charge God foolishly and he doesn't say he doesn't care because of my suffering or will I go to God who suffered with me that says I can help you in your suffering Job gets help in his suffering. Guys, the great thing about the book of Job, aren't you glad we got a last chapter of Job? Guys, you know what? Sometimes we're only stuck in chapter 2. Or we're in chapter 10. But let's get over in the 40s. And you meet God, when you meet Job, you, I think we're going to meet all of God. We're going to be, we'll meet Jesus. That'll be the greatest thing. But I, well, if you go up to Job and say, Job, man, I read about you. Whew, boy, you had a rough time. You know what? He said, I wouldn't trade places for that story for anything in the world. 
at the end of the story, God blesses him and shows him how much he cared. And yes, God doesn't take, he doesn't intervene and take all the bad things away, but never suspect that that is because he does not care. The cross tells us that he cares. He didn't take suffering away from our existence. We brought it into the world. And this is what Job does, and I'm finished. (laughs) You know that Job still believes God's good. Because in chapter 1, the Bible says in verse 20, He arose, rent his mantle, shaved his head, fell down upon the ground, and what? Worshipped him. And he said, the Lord, give the Lord to take it away. Blessed, blessed be the name of the Lord. He says, God, I don't understand all this, but I'm not going to charge you foolishly, and I'm not going to believe you don't care. You're a great God. You're a good God. You're a wonderful Savior is Jesus my Lord, a wonderful Savior to me, and I worship you and I bless you. I don't deserve the blessing, but you deserve And he, he's not even got to the graveyard yet. And that's how I know that our worship is really not all that great. <laughs> Guys, we walk into church and we, we put evening service on it. We don't even put worship service on it. You know why? Because that remains to be seen. Whether people come to church to worship him or not. I don't know if you came, I don't know if you worship God and you come to church or not. But here we come out of our, our, our heated homes, amen, and our, and our, and our cars and our blessed lives and, and our fat bellies, amen, and, and pets and junk everywhere and, and the goodness of living in the greatest country in all the world and the goodness of God heaped upon us every day and we walk into church and we still can't worship God. You know what real worship is? When all you got's Him and you fall on your knees and say, Lord, you're good. And it doesn't matter what happens to me. It doesn't change who you are. And whatever's going on in my life, you are still good. And you are still merciful. And you are still kind. And you are still holy. And you are still great. My circumstance is not changing who you are. You're the same wonderful God that deserves my Complete submission and complete praise. And I think this is probably one of the holiest places in the Bible. That God Almighty stepped back. Can you imagine? Watching all this happen to his servant that he loved. And seeing the pain and the hurt in his heart. Watch him get down and worship God and bless his name. It makes what we do sometimes pretty cheap. Does he care? Yeah, he cares. And whatever happens to me in these 50 years, 60 years, 70 years, whatever, in this little space of time, Don't define God in that little box because there is a forever. And forever and ever, the Bible says he's going to show his goodness to us. 
and if his only begotten son can suffer undeserved. And if his only begotten son can suffer because it really was our fault. And if his only begotten son can care enough about us to bleed and die on a cross and be separated from his father that we might enter into the joy of the Lord. You can never say that nobody cares about you. Your own mother wouldn't go through hell for you like that. He didn't just die on a cross. He went through hell. All the devils of hell because he cared. In all this, Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. That's what I want to be.